0: Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another episode of 5 a.m. Theology. Chris, when I was reading Genesis 4, I found some interesting things. We've taught on this so many times that you would think we'd know most of Genesis, but it just amazes me that I always find other things and other little tidbits in there. I find more in Genesis than any other book, at least at this point. I still find. I I, I agree. I I think. I think that's true. Maybe because there's so much in Genesis that sets off the rest of the Bible. Maybe that's why there's just so much in there. Maybe. But in Genesis four, when we get to the story of Cain and Abel, I was reminded because it starts off talking about Cain and Abel and what they do. And I was thinking that before the fall, you know, when God with creation and stuff, he put Adam in the garden to work it. And scripture says that it was pleasant work. Now I hate gardening no matter what, but maybe this kind of gardening I'd be okay with. But Adam, yeah, I was thinking care. that Adam took care of the garden. They didn't have to worry about rain. There was no rain at this point. And um, God took care of the sun. They weren't stressing about the weather and, you know, God did all the work and Adam just reaped the benefits. He just took care of things and there wasn't, wasn't lantern flies landing on things and stuff. Oh <laughs> I know, yeah. I know
1: you love them. I I'm looking forward to no lantern flies. Unless <laughs> they're just beautiful and they don't aren't destructive. They are pretty. Just mm, they are. They're the most beautiful bug I've ever seen. <laughs> but they're one of the most destructive.
0: Yeah. But then the fall happens, and one of the curses, of course, on Adam and all mankind is that they're gonna work now you know, toiling the ground to get to produce stuff to eat. And work is now going to be work, like we think of it. Not, It's not going to be pleasant. And, and I thought, boy, that leans right into Genesis 4, because that's what we see with Cain and Abel. Cain was, as we know, Adam and Eve's first
1: son, and Abel was the second born. And Cain was a worker of the field, and Abel had flocks. Genesis 4, 2 to 4 says, Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions and some of the firstborn of his flock.
0: Now, Rose, what are you thinking when you you hear that? My first thought when I read that all the time is, The fact that they brought God an offering because Mosaic law wasn't coming for many, many years. So they didn't know about bringing the first portions or bringing God an offering at all. Or did they? It seems like they did. Yeah. The first time we officially see tithing is with Abraham and Melchizedek. But somehow they both knew that they needed to bring. God an offering. And we're just not told. I mean, as sometimes it frustrates us a little bit, scripture doesn't give a lot of details. They only give, God only gives us what we need to know. So what we know is they bought an offering for some reason they knew to bring an offering to God.
1: Yes. And we aren't told everything in the Bible. We aren't, not everything is explained. So, you know, we talk about that all the time too, because there's a lot of stuff we would like explained that isn't, but you know, Verse 4 goes on to tell us that the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but he had no regard for Cain and his offering. And this is what brings in this point of contention that you and I always have. And that's, is this all about bringing the wrong offering or is it more?
0: Well, people will often point to the fact that Abel, it's the first portions and the fat portions of what he brings. And that much more aligns with Mosaic Law of Sacrifices. So that's why Abel's is is chosen and Cain's isn't. But that's not what it says. If you read this in context, that's not what it says. Chris, the heart of this is one's accepted and one's rejected by God. Exactly. And
1: as we talk about all the time to other people, we say, we have to take all of scripture, the whole of scripture, when we're reading scripture, and we can't have contradictions. So we know what do we know by now? We have to ask ourselves, what do we know by now? Well, the fall happened. What do we know about every person since the fall? And that is that they're all sinful in nature. A sinful person cannot do anything to save themselves. The idea of our works bringing us, you know, making us acceptable to God. Is gone. Adam and Eve had that, you know, covenant of works thing going. They fell, they couldn't keep it, and nobody else can until Jesus, of course, but nobody else can. So we have to say here,
0: this isn't about bringing an offering. No, you know, we were talking last time about ways to read your Bible, and we said for us, it's much easier to start in Genesis and go chronologically. But one of the benefits of reading through scripture is that sometimes what's not told at the time of the narrative, it's told backtracking, looking back. And we see that a lot. A lot of times, especially in the New Testament, they'll refer back to the Old Testament and fill in details that were not given in the beginning. And Cain and Abel's one of those places. In Hebrews 11, yeah. they're mentioned. They are. I I'll, I'll read it here. It says, by faith,
1: Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God gave approval to his gifts. And the, the text in Genesis says that Abel and his offering were accepted. Cain and his offering were rejected. It's the man and his offering.
0: It's not that the offering is rejected and then the man's rejected. And if if you want to know why it says by faith, Abel was Abel's offering was accepted. Well, if you go back a little in Hebrews, in Hebrews eleven six, six, it says it's without faith, it's impossible to please God. In right. fact, the entire verse says for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So, right. You're right. I mean, I remember every time we get this and when we teach this, it's the same thing. No, no, it's because Abel's Abel's was better and Cain's was half-hearted. Well, Cain's was half-hearted because his heart didn't belong
1: to God. Right. He did not have faith. And we know from, again, from all of scripture and looking back that God has to produce that faith in us. Our heart has to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And so obviously Cain's wasn't. You know, he's not of the elect. And Rose, there's another part of Genesis 4 that people always throw out to try to defend this position that they have. And that's Genesis 4, 6 to 7, where God says to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you refuse to do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Well, that whole part about will you not be accepted if you do right isn't offering him some works-based acceptance by God. It's just not. But people always try to go there secondly to, to prove this point. And it's just not, it's not valid.
0: No, and notice Cain is angry that God didn't take his offering. He's not, right. when God doesn't take it, he doesn't say, Lord, what must I do to be no. acceptable to you? Cain and Abel are the first believer and unbeliever that we see contrasted in the Bible. And then from here on in, it's constant, but it's it's, constant. Cain isn't seeking God's approval. He's not seeking God's heart. He just knows, oh, I'm supposed to give an offering. So he throws an offering there. And when God doesn't accept it, he's mad. Well, doesn't this look like an unbeliever who maybe goes to church whatever, and then something bad happens and says, well, God, why'd you let this happen? Like, not looking for their own responsibility. There's no kind of repentance or anything here. And that's because he's he's not a believer, right. he's not with God. No, and we see it every day.
1: People trying to do good works, doing good works, doing good works, trying to earn God's favor, or just thinking that they have it because they're basically a good person by human standards. And you know that just doesn't, that doesn't make you right with God. It's no. only by trusting that Jesus died in your place and took the punishment that you deserve for forgiveness of your sins, that you're right with God in relationship,
0: yeah, One other note that I wrote here was that in this passage, God lays out the anatomy of sin. He says yes, it does. starts with the desire that we have. Well, that's certainly where sin starts. We don't get what we want. We get angry, or we lay blame on someone else instead of looking at our own responsibility. Or that maybe we were just never meant to have what we want. And I I referenced James 1, 14 and 15, which says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. And boy, don't we see that playing out well, here. We,
1: yeah, we certainly do. And you said, you know, We take it out on other people. That's certainly what Cain did. He couldn't stand that his brother was accepted and he was not. So he killed
0: him. Yeah, it brought Abel's death. So your sin has consequences to other people, but it brought Cain's own death because Cain was sent away, away from God. He was separated from his family. And we see that
1: all through scripture also. You're gonna be separated from your unbelieving family. And it's just a point that, We see right here in this passage.
0: Yeah. We're not going to be seeing Cain in heaven when we get there. No, we're not. No, we're not. And Cain says to God, you know, when God sends him away, God says, go get out of here. You know, He says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me away from the ground and from your face, I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Chris, Cain had no idea, but he's describing hell. Yeah, he is. He absolutely is. And
1: no one's going to kill him because it's everlasting. Right. And we're like, we always say Genesis and, and Revelation are bookends. And we see these things pictured in both a lot of times. If you just read both books, you would see the, the correlations.
0: Yeah, although it helps to read the ones in between.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying just read the first one and the last one.
0: Yeah. It's just amazes me here. I mean, this is a passage on the surface you think is about two brothers. You know, one is, one is bad. One is good quote unquote for both of them because nobody is truly that, but there's so much more.
1: There's so much more. It's not just two brothers, one that was better than the other and one that was jealous of the other. It's just not how it is.
0: No, it's it's two lines. It's two peoples. It's believers, unbelievers. It's sheep and goats. It's the godly line, the ungodly line.
1: Yep. And like you said earlier, Rose, we're going to see it played out all
0: through the Bible. Yeah, we do. And, and that's where we're going to end today. Thanks for joining us. Have a blessed morning.